Season 2 has returned, and so have we. Get your theories ready, Resheads, because it is on like Donkey Kong. On this 24th episode of Resurrection Revealed. Welcome to our first fan feedback show of the second season of the Resurrection Revealed podcast. Glad to have you with us yet again. Resurrection Revealed is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network, and we're thrilled at Noodle Mix to have served 5 million plus podcast downloads. Thanks for being part of the Resurrection Revealed community. Check out all of the other Noodle Mix podcasts that make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Resurrection Revealed is also sponsored by our affiliate links, Head on over to resurrectionrevealed.com slash Amazon and order Jason Mott's new book just released called The Wonder of All Things. You can also buy everything else you need from Amazon, that great giant retailer in the sky. Thanks for joining us for our fan theory and discussion episode of the season two premiere called Revelation. And Resurrection Revealed is an unofficial podcast and blog by and for fans of ABC TV's Resurrection Tonight, recorded September 30th, 2014, I'm at Wayne Henderson, your voice acting, podcasting Green Bay Packers fan. And I am at Troy Heinrichs. Glad that we have returned for this second season. And most of the time you get those sophomore slumps, but I think out of the gate, we're looking pretty darn good as we kicked off the premiere this past Sunday. Yes, fantastic episode. And we're going to have links in the show notes over at resurrectionrevealed.com slash 24, as this is our 24th episode of the podcast. Great episode. Let's dig in. So we start out with Marty Bellamy waking up, gasping for breath in a wet marsh-like area. No sign of Jacob, but did you notice the cicadas have grown like twice the size in the week that Marty's been gone? I did not notice that the cicadas were that different. I was so focused on the fact that the way he woke up in that wet marsh-like area that it reminded me so much of how the pilot episode last year opened up. So I need to rewatch yet again and focus more on the cicadas. Do you think we were meant to notice they were bigger? Is this our comparison to Lost right out of the gate where there was always like the focus on the eye opening usually or some you know, mythical lore, like the 815 clock in season five in the opening. Is this something we're going to see maybe in season three as another person waking up in a wet, grassy area? I hope so, because season three of Resurrection, I'm already looking forward to it. It was a really great episode this week. I was shocked to find out how everything kind of played together and pieced together. And I really love the opening sequence of Marty just running down the street and kind of having these flashback memories and I think that is something that we didn't really see in the first season from a returned perspective as how do they actually remember the past? And we even talked a little bit about that, not to jump ahead, but with grandma, she even said, you know, hey, that house across the street was uh, was green at one point or yellow. Can't remember. But she's like, it's weird to go from, you know, having these instant memories of like a 32 year old DVR. Exactly. And I'm surprised that we didn't really think about that aspect of it very much during season one. But I wonder if they will kind of explain how do these folks have their memories still? Of course, you know, we're still trying to figure out, are they really even human? Are they clones? You know, they, like you talked about in season one, the theories were all over the map. But it is interesting that they have their memories. And I think that's a good thing. Or else it would make uh, Resurrection a very confusing show if nobody remembered anything. Right, because we got introduced to that concept with uh, Rachel dying at the end of the first season. And the fact that she got an, a new body and her old body stayed behind. Also, the fact that Jacob's remains were in his coffin, but those could have been anybody's remains with a very similar shirt. But the fact that we had a clear, you know, Rachel looking like Rachel, body in the morgue, same thing with Bellamy happening in this episode it really begs the question of how do they download memories from one person and put them into another? I do not know. I tell you this, the first part of this episode this week, I was a little bit off because I'm thinking, I know they're going to explain this eventually, but you know, we, we get this, uh, you know, Martin Bellamy, he's in a different spot. Jacob is home safe with the Langstons. The soldiers have allegedly brought him back and we missed all of that, but I'm sure they're going to piece it in. But were you surprised to see Jacob back at home 
safe as if nothing had happened? Yeah, and they kind of alluded to the procedure, I guess, if you want to call it. They had some of the returned were exiled from town, moved to other places, and if your returned person was able to be quote-unquote claimed, I think is the word that Henry used, if they could be claimed, then they were able to stay in the town with their families, which was the case of Jacob, and that's why Jacob was able to be brought home. I'm surprised that being that Jacob was quote unquote the first, if you will, that they didn't keep him specifically to find out why the phenomenon was happening. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting angle. And on the other side of it, the other people that weren't quote unquote claimed, for example, almost anybody that's been dead for more than 30 or 40 years that may not have anybody to claim them. They've been relocated. I'm a little nervous for their safety. Now, in most shows, I'm not a big fan of the like, show me the ending. And then you do like the whole like 12 hours earlier, 24 hours earlier kind of thing. I actually really liked the way that they actually played Bellamy's memories back to the audience as the episode progressed. And it built up to the, okay, so he's holding his chest. Obviously, the first thing that came to my mind was gunshot wound. But then when he went to the hospital and he's or a clinic or whatever, and he's talking to Maggie and he takes off his shirt by the way, obviously Omar Epps has been working out in the off season. Um, then there's no bullet wound. There's no hole. There's no sign of a potential gunshot wound, which then goes to the concept of, okay, well then he's in a new body when you get that reveal at the end of the episode. So even though in the, t- in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, he woke up in the grass. He's holding his heart. Like he has a heart problem, which he didn't have before. So something happened to him. So he's got to be potentially a returned. And you have that in the back of your head the whole episode. You forget about it until it's actually revealed how the gunshot wound happened. And then you see the corpse. Yes. And it makes you wonder, how did all of this get pulled off? And we've got this whole slew of new mysterious characters, which on Resurrection, right off the bat, I am invested in these. I don't know if it's due to great casting or that the mystery is so dark, but I am intrigued by all of the new people that were introduced on this uh, season two premiere. Yeah, I mean, Donna Murphy is a veteran actress right out of the gate. I believe they were referring to her as the elegant woman. Is that I think that's how you referred to her on the initial reactions episode, which for those of you that haven't listened to the initial reactions episode this year, we're going to be doing shorter initial reaction episodes where we're going to be posing like three major questions for all of you to give us the feedback for this episode. So Wayne's going to take the first half of the season and I will take the second half of the season, but you you can get those right away on Monday mornings after the show has aired as your water cooler drive in type thought process starts to flow. But yeah, the elegant woman, I I would really love to get to the point where we know her name because it'll be hard to refer to her as the elegant woman because that's so hard to say. (laughs) <laughs> I bet we only have to wait a week or two and we're going to have a name. I hope so. Uh, but Donna Murphy, again, she's fantastic. They announced her casting right away at Comic-Con this year. Uh, we had the, the post up on the website, resurrectionrevealed.com. And I think that it'll be a great addition to see how she plays this role of, you know, spying on the returned. The question now, of course, is why? Is it more of a population control issue like the 4400? Kind of a ripoff from there. Or is it more of a, we don't want to know if they can develop other powers or is it going to be something of just, we're just trying to investigate what's going on and we need somebody on the inside to feed us info. I do not know yet. It is too early to tell, but uh, I am definitely as intrigued as J. Martin Bellamy is. Well, there's nothing better than reading the newspaper in the Atlanta area where resurrection is filmed because other episodes and shows are filmed in the Atlanta area as well. So I really enjoyed seeing the kind of cheap shot at the Sunday night competition, which will be coming out in October, AKA the walking dead. (laughs) I thought you could take those little headlines in so many ways, you know, either a walking dead shout out or just the fact that we have a lot of walking dead people. They're not zombies because their bodies are still in the grave and they can move real fast. But uh, yeah, that was pretty clever. I like that little shout out they threw in there. Well, then, of course, you have Lucille. Now, in the book, you know, she was always kind of like this, you know, the government is watching, you know, she was a church lady in the book. And 
I think Lucille is starting to kind of play that same type of role early on here. The minute she's like, okay, I think they're monitoring us. I think they're watching us trying to see what we'll do now that we have Jacob back. And I think she's spot on. I think they're being tested in some way. And the question is, why are they being tested? Yeah. And I'm also wondering how she was able to pick up on that. So uh, quickly, especially since she's one of the most recent uh, returned folks does she just have intuition? Does she have another piece of her memory? I noticed that she and Henry's wife, they seem to have an interesting relationship. Like it might've been a bit strained when they were both alive, but somehow grandma has some insights that uh, are going to be interesting to see how they play out. And as we move through this season of resurrection, we want to remind you that you can go ahead and join our resurrection revealed mailing list that way you can keep apprised of all the new episodes of the podcast as they come out and occasional special things that might come up during the season. We have no idea what they might be yet, but if they are and you're on the mailing list, we can let you know right away. So go to resurrectionrevealed.com. You can sign up there. Of course, it's free. And of course, we totally respect your privacy. We will never sell your email address or do anything that you wouldn't want us to do with it. Just keeping you up to date with Resurrection. Now, we know that Marty's heart condition is a result of the gunshot wound he does get when he's in captivity. The real question is, is again, it's the memory concept. So he's feeling the fact that he should have bruised ribs or pain of some kind. So he remembers the pain, but yet there's no physical ailment with his body. So you have this kind of disconnection between mind and body or body and spirit, if you will. Do you think that that's something that we've also seen previously in season one, maybe with Caleb with the heart attack? You know, when you think about it that way, it very well could be tied together in that fashion. It, it really makes me try to picture myself if, if I was in that situation like Marty, that's got to be really messing with your head. Not only the fact that there's people that have been coming back to the, from the dead and they're alive again, but also him personally having these mysterious pains, weird memory flashes, and just trying to grapple with the whole thing. And still going back to a question you raised a couple of times near the end of last season, if Marty is one of the returned and now he is a returned, does he seem to be eating a whole lot of food all the time, like all of the uh, returned people we had in season one? And is he going to get hardly any sleep? So far, he hasn't shown those symptoms to us, at least not on screen. So is he going to be like everybody else? That is an excellent question. And that's what we want to find out. So we had eggs and bacon and coffee for breakfast. And he did have <laughs> some food over at Maggie's house for dinner. We don't know if he actually had lunch or not. And he refused the food in the interrogation room, but that was before he died. So that begs the question of, will he actually sleep when he goes to lie down on the doctor's couch. <laughs> I hope so. He needs to get some rest because he's got a lot of big things ahead of him this coming season. Maybe that's what also enabled him to drive all the way to Chicago very quickly is that he didn't need sleep. He just pushed on through the entire eight hours. That's a bit of a drive. I mean, you, of course, from the Chicago area, you're familiar with that whole part of the United States and I've only been there once. So uh, I guess things are a little further apart than what I would have thought they were. True. Now we have the super baby, or in this case, super baby boy, because, you know, with things being so uncertain, we'd want to know what the sex of the baby is right away. So we do have a baby boy and it's growing very fast. So are we nervous that this is going to be like a V baby or is it just something else going on? You know, what's funny besides the fact that there's a super baby on almost any other television show, I would be very nervous about any resemblance or storyline going the direction of the V baby. But on Resurrection, I've got full confidence in the writers and producers that it's not going to go that direction. I do find it very unusual and intriguing, but uh, I'm not nervous about it being anything really, really bizarre or over the top. But I do want to know how and why it is growing so fast. Well, we had Super Baby on the 4400. We also had Super Baby on Falling Skies. So is it going to be the same concept where they have superhuman powers? I don't want to call them alien powers, but 
you know, beyond normal human capacity capabilities, or is it just that the metabolism is so high, it's just growing that much faster? I'm anxious to find out. Maybe this week they'll drop a few clues our way, Troy. Well, there were some big clues in this conversation because the two things that I picked up on in this very first episode of season two was the very overt religious tone that they took right away out of the gate, especially in that deep conversation that Bellamy was having with Maggie about how the guy, even after his son had died, turned to faith and believed in God. And he said, you know, when you have that fear, you know, and then the absence of fear is where God exists. So they had this very religious tone right away out of the get-go. And then being of faith myself, the first thing I picked up on right away in this conversation with the super baby was the fact that they had 12 years and 12 weeks that the baby was supposedly in utero. And so if you actually think about numbers from the Bible, and it's not to compare numbers to lost or numbers to the dark tower, but numbers are a pretty big thing when you think about the order of the universe and in the Bible, there's like really key numbers. And those key numbers are three, which usually resembles the Trinity. There's seven, which stands for complete perfection. 10 usually stands for the power of God and 12 stands for the people of God. But more importantly, when you take 12 and multiply it by 12 and get 144, that's actually a pretty significant number in the Bible as well because it talks about the uh, 144,000 people that will be saved at the rapture in the book of revelation. Uh And it also talks about how there were 12 gates for the 12 tribes of Israel that were on the foundation of the 12 apostles uh, that followed Jesus around. So again, 12 times 12, but then I really got to looking and it was very interesting to find out that there are actually 1,440, 144 times 10, when you actually think of 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of darkness when the sun's at the equator. So you actually get 1,440 minutes. So I thought that was interesting. And the fact that the world was created in just six days, which equates to 144 hours. That is amazing. I I should have caught at least half those things when I was watching the show, but I did not catch a single one of those references. But now that you bring it up, Troy makes perfect sense. And then of course, with this title of resurrection this week being revelation, it should have triggered some things. So good, good catch there. Yeah. Now we'll have to keep an eye out to see if 12, 10, three, seven make bigger plays as season two rolls along. But given the very spiritual tone right out of the gate and the whole concept of forgiveness and things of that nature, when with the whole grandma, uh, Henry and Fred situation going on there, it's just something maybe we have to keep an eye out. Maybe they're going a little bit more religious spin this season. Now, a big question, Troy, that after watching season one, especially the final three episodes, this comes to mind right away. Why on earth? Did the military personnel leave Arcadia alone? It, there's no presence of them that they've shown us any, any yet this season. It just seems like everything is the way it was, except for there's more people back from the dead. I think that's really the key, that they have to focus on processing the people that don't have family in Arcadia. And what are they going to do with those people And then more importantly, monitor the situation around the world, because if you go back to Jason Mott's book, this wasn't just an Arcadia phenomena, even though the show is going to be focused on the Langstons and Arcadia specifically, the phenomena could still be happening around the world. And that's why the government had to change their focus. And that's why they need Bellamy to now do this job of being the spy to let them know if the population gets out of hand. And I think it's a little risky if their whole plan is just to have Bellamy be their spy. I would think there'd be other spies already planted around town or surveillance cameras, something, anything. Because I don't think Bellamy's going to play along with their plan. Yeah, I he'll probably feed some information, but it'll be information on like a need to know basis. Like they'll feed enough to keep himself out of hot water, but not enough that it would jeopardize the Langstons in any way. Exactly. So he's going to basically be a double crosser or triple crosser because he's got a lot of street smarts 
in addition to uh, basic smarts. So I think he's going to be able to play this off really well. Um, close to the end of the season, it may come to light and then he's in big trouble. But I'm along for the ride and anxious to see what they're going to try to talk him into doing. Now, Fred's actually getting some heat because of him bringing the military to town. The postman even gives him some grief yes. about what's really going to be going on. And he gets into the car and he goes to the glove box. And I thought first thing was, OK, he's got a bottle in there because he was a boozer or two. He's got a gun in there and he wants to kill himself for his fact that he can't talk to his former wife, even though it's not his wife, according to him. And then or talk to Maggie because of what happened to Maggie. So and then he closes the glove box. And I was really glad that we actually saw him go back to the glove box later on in the episode and that it was a bottle, not a gun, even though the gun does come into play later on. Yeah, it's a deadly combination. If Fred Langston is definitely going off the deep end, I don't, I don't know if his character is going to be able to survive through this because at the rate he's going in a downward spiral, Troy. Oh, man, he's, he, he made my wife and I very nervous in many parts of this episode this week. Let's go ahead and split the conversation here into two tracks. Okay. So let's go with Grandma Langston and what her coming back signifies for the rest of the Langston family. Did you like the introduction of Michelle Fairley as Grandma Langston? Oh, absolutely. A great casting. And we most recently saw her on 24 as the mother of the terrorist family. But she's such a great actress that I've already totally basically forgotten about that she's not typecasted at all she's doing a great job and it's very believable and it adds a whole new perspective because now we've got um henry and fred trying to figure out is this really their son or their their nephew that came back last season but now you take it to the parental level and they have to look at it a totally different way and man there was some awesome acting in this episode I mean, yeah, the scene when Henry reunites with his mom, what a different contrast from last season where he's like, yes. there's no way this is my kid and how distant he was with Jacob. And immediately he's just like, she's not even done talking and he's hugging her and oh my gosh, his mom and, you know, great job by Kurtwood Smith. I think that was absolutely touching. Uh, but the look on Francis Fisher's face, like, holy crap, the mother-in-law from hell is back. <laughs> Do you think she's going to be that type of mother-in-law? I, I could tell there was some sort of tension there, but you would think all bets would be off when somebody comes back, you know, from the dead as a resurrected returned person. But I thought it was interesting that grandma basically wastes no time getting back to gardening in the yard. Well, it's falling apart, man. The trees are overgrown. The fence needs to be painted. I mean, basically Henry's let the place go to hell in a handbasket. And I thought it was looking pretty good, actually. I guess that was a straight dig, I guess, at Francis Fishner's gardening skills. Yeah, it was definitely not veiled very deeply. They, they have the conversation and they're talking about how, you know, she left the business to Henry. Fred has always been kind of angry about that situation. And then we get the big reveal that she was in a coma, you know, 33 years ago. So she was dead before Jacob died. And, you know, two deaths in the family that close together. I mean, that just had to have rocked Henry's world completely. So you think she died, went brain dead in that coma or passed away further beyond that? I wasn't sure if she had come out of the coma, lived a little bit more of a normal life and then died. But it makes sense that she may have died at that time. I would think she died in the coma. And they don't give us any clues just yet what brought on that coma. I'm sure that this ties into the the whole town of Arcadia has this deeper, darker secret going all the way back to tied to the mill. And maybe even like they touched on previously, maybe all the way back to the Civil War. It's not just the mystery that we have people coming back from the dead, but there's just something hanging over that town. But then they have this nice conversation about how Fred never came to the hospital and Henry you know, probably for the first time in a while, he's really looking out for Fred in this situation. And he's like, yeah. no, Ma, you, know, you don't understand. It was hard for him, but he was in the hallway every day. Couldn't see you. He might have snuck a peek through the window, but he was there every day. Even though you think you couldn't have heard him because you heard me in the room while you were in a coma, he was there and you need to go talk to him and get some kind of forgiveness or solace or something for that relationship that you had. 
Now, granted, when she does go talk to him, he's in a pretty bad place because he has this tussle with Bellamy and Maggie out in the street. You know, he's already drinking a lot. Uh, he has this really weird altercation with Elaine. Um, if you didn't see that coming from a mile away, you must have been blind uh, that he was going to try to make a move at some point. You, you hoped it wasn't going to go there, but it was clearly telegraphed that it was going to go there. And he's just in a really bad place. And of course, he feels awful about it. He pulls out that gun and he doesn't know what he's going to do. And then his mom comes in the room and slaps him a few times. You know, who am I? Who am I? It's almost like it was going back to a trigger in his past when he was a child, almost like she was commanding respect. Maybe there was a, a deeper, weirder relationship between the two of them that wasn't there with Henry. Hmm. There was definitely something going on there. I was chalking it up just to the fact that, you know, she's a very wise mother and she's already returned once from the dead. So what does she have to lose to confront him with the gun? But I was a bit stunned when the slap actually came. I was like, whoa. But they, it worked as far as with Fred. It did kind of calm him down a bit and bring him back a little bit because he's just been off the rails that this whole episode, like you said, with the altercations, getting drunk, going out in the middle of nowhere with Elaine and shooting out windows with lights and sirens. I just thought a big accident was going to be happening, but he survived. So maybe mom can help get him off the sauce. Yeah. But one slap across the face to say, Hey, snap out of it. But to throw a second slap, that's something that kind of registered as something different is going on with this relationship. And we'll have to figure out what is this deep secret that, because even when they were talking on the porch, there was this look of, you know, well, yeah, if, if you just called Fred, you know, and talked to him, mom, you know, maybe he'll turn around. Maybe he'll believe like the rest of us. And she gave a look over to Lucille that totally said, well, I don't know if you knew the relationship me and your brother had, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be the one he wants to talk to. And then with the two slaps, it was like, okay, there's something deeper going on there. Yeah, again, it may go back to the whole dark cloud that's hanging over the town in some aspects. But uh, listener, we'd love to know what you think is going on with all of this. What kind of thoughts and theories do you have? Give us a call at plus one nine oh four four six nine seven four six nine. Let your voice be heard. We'll share it on the next episode because I'm sure that not everything's going to be answered this week. And kind of two final points on this story, uh, one serious and one kind of humorous. The serious okay. one, uh, let us know. Give us a tweet. You can tweet us at Resurrection Pod. Let us know if you had a box of tissues going during that scene with Fred and his mom. That was some of the most powerful acting I think we've seen on the show uh, to date. I know, I know I got sniffly at that part. It was just really amazing to see that reunion, weird as it might have been, but it was just powerful at the same time that you couldn't help but be moved you know, for everything that Fred has gone through with losing his wife. And then twice, right? Once because she did and twice because she died. And then on the humorous note, how many times is Matt Craven going to be slapped in the face in this show? That's what I want to know. <laughs> it could be our weekly tie in to Lost with how many times Benjamin Linus got beat up by people. Is, is Fred going to be slapped by somebody of the female persuasion or even his brother every other week? I don't know. Yeah, because didn't Maggie actually crack him one too when they were in the street? I, that was a, another really odd scene. I mean, very well acted, not odd as, as far as unbelievable, but just odd because you knew he was under the influence and he was just acting just off. I mean, great acting. It's just very well done. And you feel bad for the guy, but he needs to pull it together somehow. Yeah. And great acting comes from great writing as well. And the writers, I think, really nailed it out of the park for this first episode. Well, then let's switch over to Marty and the kind of the B storyline, if you will, or maybe it's the A storyline and Graham is the B storyline. We'll have to see how this all plays out at the end of the day. But he goes up to Chicago because he talks to Tony or what he thinks is Tony. And it looked like Tony in the car when they were having the conversation. But then mm -hmm. Tony ends up selling him out to the elegant woman who then gives him this you know, deal. And she said, well, we had to see it for our own eyes to believe it. And that's when we get the big bombshell that Marty was shot while he was in custody. And now, 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 not before, now, he is a returned. 
Are you trying to say that uh, something happened now? Well, <laughs> there's still this lingering theory, right? Because when he woke up, everybody was like, oh, see, he was a returned. He is actually the boy who drowned in the water and all this jazz. And he came back and that whole team Wayne, team Troy of, do we think that Marty Bellamy is a returned from earlier than present day? And we didn't get a clear answer to that question. But what we did get was that kind of passing through the intersection at the opening of the show. And he saw, I guess what would be his sister and his parents. And he had that like look of, wait, they look familiar. I don't understand. Why do they look familiar? And he did see them. I thought at some point in season one at the church and at the school during the roundup, but maybe he had not seen them or interacted with them. And that, that triggered a memory which of course now he has that memory, but he can't find their, his parents and his daughter because, or sister because they've been taken away. Or he's going to be another one of those that is returned a couple of times already. Right. So that's the big question. Is he Bellamy 3.0 or is he Bellamy 2.0? Or even more, but I'm sure they'll limit it to one of those two. And I'm going to vote 3.0. All right. So you're still on the, he was a return before. Yes, I'm on that bandwagon. <laughs> Even though he exhibited zero, zero uh, symptoms of being a returned. Maybe he's conquered those. He still is not showing any of the symptoms of the return. And he's at least a returned one time. We, you know, it's one of those things that uh, is interesting to try to argue about and try to sort out. But in the end, I don't think it matters so much whether he's 2.0 or 3.0. But uh we do know that he's now a returned and his life just got a lot more complicated. And is his return different than the other Arcadians? Because before they were already Arcadians that died in Arcadia. So in this case is Bellamy an Arcadian or was he born somewhere else? And because he died in Arcadia, that's why he was able to come back. Excellent questions, Troy. Another good question is, why does ABC uh, Press have that lady officially listed as the elegant woman? I mean, how much more mysterious of a name can you give a character till they're ready to lay it out there for us? Hey, you know what? I, I like stuff like that. It's, it's the mystery, the intrigue. It, it really gives you that kind of sense of, OK, there's something bigger at play and you just want to be on for the ride for when that reveal comes because that reveal is going to be huge. Yeah. Kind of like uh, episode five with the uh, bouncy ball that the kid mm -hmm. had that he picks up. Yes, indeed. So I have one last big question for you, Mr. Wayne. Should I sit down for it? Maybe or stand up and shout depending on how you feel. But <laughs> OK, are we going to see our friend Gary Humphrey at all this season? I certainly hope to hope so, because they didn't really give us any reason to think that we wouldn't see him. Because Gary did have some pretty prominent, important pieces to the puzzle in season one. So I'm certainly hoping that he's in season two. In fact, I'm hoping that he's in episode two. Well, and that's really the big question, because he had that altercation with Fred in the cabin where he was drinking a fifth. And Fred was like, hey, I've been down this road. You got to stop. And now Fred's down that road. So wouldn't it be great to write in Gary's character to be kind of that sounding board and kind of sponsor alcohol AA buddy for Fred in the long run. They could definitely tie those two things together because uh, like last season, when we interviewed the actor, uh, Kevin Sizemore, a good friend of ours who plays Gary Humphrey. And he talked about that cabin and why it's decorated the way it was. It was just a hilarious episode. You should go back. And if you didn't already hear our interview with Gary Humphrey, AKA Kevin Sizemore, it's funny and entertaining and informative. So, Check it out. And if you're just finding the podcast for the first time this season, you definitely want to go back and listen to all of the great interviews. We talked to Elaine. We talked to uh, Maggie. We talked to uh, Ray, uh, Elaine's brother. We talked to Jacob. We talked to Pastor Tom. We talked to Rachel. We talked to basically everybody in the cast except for uh, Francis Fisher, Kurtwood Smith. And I hopefully we're going to be able to talk to them this year because we'd love to talk to the Langstons, especially now that grandma Langston is back. And I think that'll be a really great to maybe even get Matt Craven on this year. Cause we didn't see him last year and just go deeper with this family as the story expands for these 16 episodes this season. 
Oh, absolutely. I'd love to chat with any and all of the actors playing Langston's. And in fact, also in addition to the actors on the show, last year we were blessed to be able to interview Jason Mott, the man who wrote the novel that the entire show is based on, as well as the uh, series creator, Aaron Zellman. So we've been very blessed and hoping we can uh, continue on with some of that this season because it just brings a whole new level of uh, intrigue to the show. And for those listening to Resurrection Revealed, you get to learn just a little bit more about what might be going on. Now, it's that time of the show where we like to dole out our ratings for this week's episode. I'm going to start out and give the season premiere nine out of ten. It was really great. Uh, but 9 out of 10, slow burn reveals, because I really loved the way the reveal for Bellamy played out this week. Totally agree. Excellent episode. I'm tempted to give it even higher than a 9 out of 10 deepening mysteries, but I want to leave Buffer there for an even more mind-blowing episode. So 9 out of 10 deepening mysteries. Well, the Resurrection Revealed listener community has some of the best questions and theories coming up. So stay tuned as we go into the fan theory portion of the podcast. Yes, we've already got some excellent uh, feedbacks that came in this week by email, by voicemail, by uh, Twitter and such. So fire it off, Troy. Let's get this underway because there's some things that are going to maybe change how we're thinking about what we've seen so far. Joe's up first, and he still subscribes to the Bellamy has died before theory. You see, yes. Bellamy died in the flood as a baby. Whatever that year was, I'm saying the 50s. He returned about 20-something years ago as a baby. Someone found him and thought he was an abandoned, so he was probably brought to the adoption agency where someone adopted him and no one was the wiser. Last season, when he had that dream sequence, when he was playing with Jacob, Army Guys... Jacob asked him if he ever searched for his real parents and he answered, no, never did. And then the cicada appeared walking on the table before the army guys broke in the door. So we don't get the definitive answer in the opening. Uh, he only experiences the chest pain because of his recent death. So again, the question is, is Bellamy a returned previously or is this just Bellamy 2.0? It's too early to have any sort of uh, definitive answer at all. But uh, that's a great thing. And this cicada imagery was so strong in season one and even in this season two premiere episode that I think we really need to keep our eyes peeled for all sorts of little clues like that. Well, and I love the subtleness in the question, right? Did you ever look for your parents? Mm -hmm. Was Jacob channeling him because he was in the dream saying, did you ever look for the Thompsons? Or was it just, did you ever look for your parents? Meaning, well, you're an adopted kid. Did you ever think about your parents in a general term perspective? Now, Thomas wrote in and said, in the scene where Agent Bellamy was being examined by Maggie with his shirt off, I don't recall seeing the birthmark on his back. Did you? Love your show. And yes, Thomas, it was very, very quick uh, on his uh, top center right shoulder. You did see the half moon. But the way the camera angle was, it was only there for like a split second. So you had to look very quickly, but it definitely was there. And if I get a screen grab for it, I will get it and send it back to you. Great call, because when I saw that email come in from Thomas, my first thought was, whoa, that has a whole different aspect to the show. But then, like you said, there it was just ever so briefly, but they should have made it a little more obvious, not make us work quite so hard. Um, also, Joe wrote in on Facebook asking, did you guys notice in the opening credits that the picture that looks like a tree may actually be veins? And Joe did provide a screen grab for it. And we'll post that in the show notes at resurrectionrevealed.com slash 24. So, yes, it's full credit for that. That adds something else for us to think about as if we don't already have enough. But I love it. Now, let's head on over to the voicemail line and check in with Kathy. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Troy. This is Kathy Kelly from the Special Mouse Podcast calling you with my initial thoughts on the season two premiere of Resurrection, Revelation. Um, few thoughts swirling around in my brain. Um, really find it interesting how the storyline between Fred and Henry, it's really uh, 
gearing up to be more of a Cain and Abel. I thought it was um, uh, really interesting how one of the first things uh, Henry's mom said to him was, you look just like your father, and uh, setting up how there was always this uh, negative relationship with um, with Fred. Uh, and it really, you know, it shocked me in that um the attempted suicide scene that that she slapped him so violently um, makes me wonder if they didn't have some kind of an abusive uh, relationship when when they were younger. So um, certainly glad that Fred did not uh, go through with his attempt. But uh, also speaking as a nurse, you know, you can't just smack someone out of uh, that depression and that suicide. So I do hope that they're going to explore his uh, his mental state uh, in future episodes. Marty, the chest pain, I, I really think that it's the site of the bullet wound. You know, he's kind of having this uh, psychic uh, memory uh, of, of the actual wound that caused his uh, apparent death. Uh, I think that he's probably, my my guess is that he's going to pretend to work for this uh, as of yet undetermined uh, agency, um, but that he will, of course, be double agent. Uh, he obviously has uh, sympathy for uh, the returned, um, and that he's going to use this as a way to find the uh, the identity of this organization and really get down to, you know, who are the good guys and who are the bad guys in this scenario. Oh, I also thought the um, the pregnancy questions about the conception date that's that's going to foreshadow something uh, odd about this pregnancy, um, being that um, it's it's a child born from uh, one of the returned. I'm I'm really looking forward to finding more about that. Uh, anyway, uh, so good to have the podcast back and the show uh, back for another season, and can't wait to hear the full episode. Your thoughts. Thanks, guys. Bye. Kathy, thank you so very much for the awesome feedback and sending that in to us. We greatly appreciate it. Kathy does the special mouse podcast. And before we get into what she talked about on the voicemail, I was actually lucky enough to get to meet Kathy at the recent podcast movement conference in Dallas, Texas, with her being a fellow podcaster. So I got to meet her and some other great folks there. And just just always great to meet somebody that's listened to the show. It's like, wow. Just adds a whole new twist to it. So, Kathy, thanks again. And she reminded me about that scene where Grandma, if her, you know, she tells Henry that he looks just like his dad. And we don't really have too much information about the dad. Is he going to be one of the returned later on? And whether he is or not, what's his story? Yeah, I think there's some stuff we can maybe start to glean in the, you know, next week on Resurrection sequence uh joe is actually able to share a couple tidbits on that because it's spoilery in nature we won't share it this week so keep an eye out we'll talk about it next week for sure um the 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 big thing is is that we know that the dad was prominent because of the factory and he of course let the thompson stay there uh and live there when the flood happened so it'll be interesting to see what really went on with the father and if he was really kind of like a, a you want to call it a matriarch of the town, you know, carrying the town on his shoulders because the factory was like the only source of jobs, if you will, back in the day. And if something bad happened to him, did the town die when he died kind of thing, which is why Henry wasn't so fond of keeping the factory open any longer. Plus that might be what actually started this whole negativity that Fred's had his entire life. I really love the Cain and Abel shout out though. Again, going to this religious context that we had, I didn't even pick up on that until she said something. And yeah, it's clearly evident that that's what they're drawing from in this relationship. Now, as we look at it, because Mm -hmm. Eve always had a fascination for one son over the other and, you know, things turned out poorly. Now, granted, instead of murder, it it was a a suicide attempt, if you will. But I think it's a really great call out to, to have that story kind of prominent here in that second generation of Langston's in Arcadia. Great call out. Thanks again, Kathy. Always good to hear from you. Hope to hear from you next week, as well as anyone else who wants to call us at plus one nine oh four four six nine seven four six nine or just go to resurrectionrevealed.com slash feedback for all the details on how you can let your voice be heard. Share your thoughts and theories for the next episode.
Now, Ray wrote us back. Now, this is not Ray, as in Travis Young, the actor who plays Ray. It's a different Ray, but Ray listened last year, and he's back for season two. And he said, we know that Resurrection is based on Jason Mott's novel, The Returned. Aaron Zellman had to make some major changes to Mott's novel to convert the story to a TV series. The series does hold to the main theme of Mott's book, but as season two opens, it looks like the story is more concerned with how and why the resurrected are coming back. I believe that Aaron Zellman is using the interpretation of Professor Stephen Hawking's light cone theory about space-time to explain Mm -hmm. how the resurrected are coming back. Now, bear with us for a minute here as we explain this, but Professor Hawking uses a stone hitting the water's surface, forming expanding ripples to explain the light cone. We've seen that on the show, even in the promos. Hawking goes on to say that when space-time gets warped almost enough to allow travel into the past, virtual particles can almost become real particles. The density of the virtual particles and their energy become very large. Thus, it seems there may be a chronology protection agency at work. According to the string theory, which is our best hope of uniting general relativity and quantum theory into a theory of everything, space-time ought to have 10 dimensions, not just the four that we experience. The idea is that six of these 10 dimensions are curled up into a space so small that we don't notice them. On the other hand, the remaining four directions are fairly flat and are what we call space-time. If this picture is correct, it might be possible to arrange that the four flat directions got mixed up with the six highly curved or warped directions. There's one direction past to present without the warp. Rapid space travel or travel back in time can't be ruled out. According to our present understanding, they would cause great logical problems. So let's hope there's a chronology protection law to prevent people going back and killing our parents. I think that the chronology protection law stopped Fred from shooting Margaret Langston. Professor Hawking believes that the world governments would want to keep it secret that they are spending money to study time travel. The governments would want to prevent possible travel from the future and the use of future knowledge and technology for the wrong purposes. Marty and the other resurrected came in contact with the secret government agency guarding against those possible time travelers. The government fears that some travelers went from the future to the past and to the present Arcadia. Professor Hawking says, seeing into the past is not as hard as it may seem to be. All you have to do is look up at the stars on a clear night. This sure sounds a lot like Fred and Elaine's conversation at the factory. Years ago, I'd seen an explanation of the light cone theory that said it was possible to depart from a point in time and travel in a straight line across the cone and around the cone at the same time, two different dimensions, I believe, to reach the inevitable same destination. The straight line would get there first if the other dimension took a closer, uh, closer on the route they get there at about the same time. So if you died in the one dimension, you'd still reach the destination in the other. It could be possible to meet yourself or for the two of you to reach the destination. Doesn't this sound a lot like Marty's situation? Very interesting. What do you guys think, Ray? Oh my goodness. My brain has just exploded. I love that kind of in-depth theory. And Ray, you laid that out so perfectly. And I've always been a sucker for anything time travel when it's done in a creative manner. And if they bring this type of thing into the show to explain some of this stuff, I'm in even more than I am right now. Thank you so much, Ray. That is awesome. Yeah. Anything where you travel through space time by going from point A to point B in a linear fashion versus around the edge of space because space is curved. You know, that was always what we talked about. What if you could go hop from this point to this point without... It's just like going through the earth, right? If you could go from the U.S. to China through a tunnel through the center, you'd get there a lot faster than you would if you went all the way around, right? Because everything's faster in a straight line. So I think this is a really great theory. There's a Wikipedia article for it. We'll include it in the show notes over at resurrectionrevealed.com slash 24. Hey, guys, this is Jeff Gentry, X Force 11, calling in for Resurrection Revealed. So, pretty good start to the season tonight. Um, the acting is excellent, as always. Um, the actors really just 
amp it up. They really do a good job and a solid job of making this kind of weird kind of storyline work, um, and it's mainly because of their acting. I also think uh, ABC gave them a little more money, the cinematography, the filming, and how things looked uh, looked a little more um, – a little more cinematic this season uh, so far. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, interesting turn of events with Marty being a resurrected, but we kind of already knew that. I think this is probably at least his second resurrection, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see who this shadow organization is behind the behind the scenes who's trying to manipulate him to be a spy. So um interested to hear y'all's thoughts. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks again, Jeff Gentry, who on Twitter is XForce11. Thanks so much for your call. And he's absolutely right. This season two premiere had fantastic cinematography. It really looked great on my television. And he also touched on how fantastic the acting has been so far this season. Yeah, Jeff's always got a really keen eye for the things that are the small details. And we really appreciate Jeff hanging on with us again this season. And again, if you guys want to get in your thoughts, your theories, it's plus one nine Oh four four six nine seven four six nine. Or you could record a voicemail right from your smartphone or computer. If you head on over to resurrection slash feedback, there's a red record button. You just press that and you can go ahead and send in your thoughts. Now we had a few people over on the Twitter sphere chime in this week. Laura at GAC fan 81 said, I knew agent Bellamy was a return since day one. So she's obviously on your bandwagon. I'm assuming by that tweet, Wayne. Or perhaps Laura, are you saying that you knew that Bellamy was a returned since the pilot episode? That's the way I read it, which means she's believing that he's the son who died in the river and he was, does this is, so to her, this is Bellamy 3.0. Excellent stuff. Awesome. Laura. Thanks. And then Christopher uh, at Lost Weather Guy on Twitter said, I thought it was a great but disorienting premiere, patting myself on the back for calling the last reveal. So he was a little bit more aloof in his uh, comment there if he believes that he's on my team or if he's on your team as to Bellamy 2.0 versus 3.0. We might have have to have the Christopher team. Hashtag uh, Christopher. (laughs) Versus hashtag Laura. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Either way, things are getting good. Well, Joe was back, actually, with some additional thoughts. Uh, He thought that Rachel's baby might have that disease where you age prematurely. Remember when Maggie asked her how long did we calculate? And she said 12 weeks. Well, 12 years and 12 weeks. Another theory could be since the return have a high metabolic rate that the baby may be actually developing faster than we would normally see. One last thing was that there must have been some experimentation going on in that factory. And I actually agree with Joe on that point because that morgue scene at the basement, either that was uh, leftover uh, material from Alcatraz, a show that was on Fox a few seasons ago. Or my question is, is where the heck is that morgue? Because it looked very old and very creepy and very deep underground. I thought it was just me. I totally thought that morgue was reminded me of Alcatraz, a great show that we never got resolution on. And whether or not it's just a, an old uh, prop, it was fantastic. And it definitely had the creep factor. It's not your everyday morgue. Now, he also added this nugget. Now it was hard to miss the faith conversation that Bellamy had with Maggie. And the title of the episode is Revelation. So if you actually look at Revelation 21, verse 4 from the Bible, it says, He, which is God, will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Is that what's happening in Arcadia? Is pain and death gone forever? Do you have to die physically in Arcadia for the cycle of death to be broken? Did they use this verse, and is there an actual big bad or big good, depending on how you want to look at it, that's causing this phenomenon to happen? Mm, that is a big, thought-provoking question. I, What do you think, Troy? I, I mean, again, I subscribe to faith, so I know that there's something bigger and something that can you know doesn't control, but 
you know, watches over, you know, our every movement and things that we do. And I know that, you know, in this case, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, rose again in three days so we could have eternal life. So in this case, are they projectioning that eternal life into the physical sense versus the spiritual sense when it comes to this show? Man, I do not know, but uh, I also am a person of faith. It's and I love how there's been some undertones and overtones on the show. I just it's a dangerous line to walk, depending on how much of it they want to bring into the show, because some people get uh, pretty upset just by the fact that the show is called Resurrection without even taking into account of what the show's really about. It's not mocking anything. It's just adding a thought provoking spin on a television show to give us something uh, to discuss and think about. Neil from Bowie calling into Resurrection Revealed for Resurrection Episode 1, Season 2, Revelation. The episode starts off with Bellamy waking up in a field with one of the gasps that we know is the trademark of one of the returned. He doesn't realize it yet, but by the end of the episode, Bellamy receives the revelation that he really is one of the returned. At the end of last season, we thought that he had already been returned and was the son of that uh, family. But during this episode, we see that family being taken away from Arcadia. All the returned who did not have known direct links to people in Arcadia were taken away to some unknown place. At the end of the episode, the woman tells Bellamy that they are safe for now. One question about them is, do they still have an urge to return to Arcadia? How are they going to express that? A week has passed since the finale. We don't know how long Bellamy was in custody before he was killed. Dr. Ward has gone back to the NIH in Maryland and has presumably been instructed to stay away from everyone in Arcadia, not even return phone calls. They don't want to leak from him to anyone. Whether he's still researching what he found from the blood is unknown at this time. It appears that the baby is growing faster in Rachel than expected, and we'll probably be seeing more about that uh, in the next episode. Jacob still senses the returned, and he had a dream about his grandmother and a feeling about her, so he knew where to go to find her after she returned in this episode. Grandmother <clears throat> warns him not to let other people know about that. Fred was going to kill himself when his mother arrives and slaps some sense into him. It appears that he may believe in her at the end of the scene. He at least seems to want to believe a bit. Marty had pains in his chest during the episode. These pains echoed how he most recently died, shot by a gun right there. Now that he knows where the pain came from, he might not be suffering from it anymore. We'll have to see. His trip to Chicago was a trap, and he appears to be recruited to spy on the others returned in Arcadia. He doesn't have that much of a choice, because he really does want to know what's going on there. I wonder if he thinks he can return to Arcadia without his car, just by dying. It reminds me of the Suicide Express in Philip Jose Farmer's Riverworld. If you die in Riverworld, you're resurrected again at some random point along the river, so you can travel around that way. Given the river symbolism in the show, I wonder if Riverworld is on anyone's minds behind the show. Well... That's it for now. Looking forward to the next episode of Resurrection and Resurrection Revealed. Neil from Bowie, thanks so much for calling in at 904-469-7469. Really great points. Number one, will he still feel the pain now that he knows he's a returned? Will that still be there or will that kind of pain subside because there's nothing to really be you know, thinking about pain-wise? And then I love the Riverworld reference. We're going to have to link to that in our show notes too, Wayne, over at under the uh, over at resurrectionrevealed.com slash 24. I think that's something we need to all be reading to see if there might be a tie into the show uh, with this whole concept of dying on the river and coming back at points along the river. What a great call out. That was fantastic, Neil. And I have read the first two Riverworld books, though it was back in high school so although the concept sounds vaguely familiar, I need to reread those. Uh, my younger brother was an even bigger fan of Riverworld. But the fact that we've got all this water visualization on Resurrection and the points that Neil brought up, I think that might be a book we might, might need to read and or listen to the audiobook version of. Which, of course, if you are looking to purchase the book, you can get at 
resurrectionrevealed.com slash Amazon. Definitely. It's the same regular Amazon. The prices and guarantees are all the same. We just get a very small finder's fee, but it all goes back into trying to make Resurrection Revealed even better. Now, we have our friend Lucifer, who is a frequent commenter on our other show, Under the Dome Radio, and he's back commenting for Resurrection Revealed on the initial reactions post. He said that the actors are Emmy-worthy actors. These guys can make us cry and don't even ask why. In season one, I thought that the sculpture beside the tombstone was Jacob and Barbara, but it's actually Margaret, Jacob's grandma, and Grandma rocks. Yeah, we saw a reference from AMC's The Walking Dead in Arcadia. Sounds like a spinoff title, possibly, of the show, hey? <laughs> uh, it's too early to comment about what direction the show is going to be going in, and I'm pretty sure it's leading to somewhere. Uh, Sir Wayne sounded so alone and silent, so I'm wondering where Sir Troy is. Though Sir Wayne did a very good job having a monologue about this very amazing pilot, but I think it would be a little more amazing when Sir Troy is in the house. I got used to listening to the both of you on Under the Dome Radio. Thanks and more power, more returnees, and more and more stones to throw at that creepy old building. Lucifer. <laughs> that was a creepy old building. And and yes, uh, we're just both uh, searching for balance and trying to juggle a few other podcasts that we're both doing because you're also doing blacklist exposed for the golden spiral media network. So you've got another podcast going. So like you talked about at the beginning of the episode, I'm going to go solo for maybe about the first half of the season, and then you'll take over for about the second half. But that's why the, the main part of this podcast is this full fan feedback discussion episode where we lay everything out there and try to piece it all back together. Well, we've certainly pieced a lot this week, and I can't even begin to think where the show is going to go from now as we move forward. But do you have a single prediction, Wayne? No, not yet, but I'm going to formulate one for next week. Well, I am adding Riverworld to my audible queue as soon as we get done recording this podcast, because that sounds like something that we should be reading. And of course, also The Wonder of All Things by Jason Mott, as that just was released uh, uh, about a day ago. Yes, it's finally here. And, you know, I've heard that's already been picked up for either a motion picture or television show. So Jason Ma is on quite a roll lately. Now we want to remind you the resurrection revealed is not affiliated with ABC television or plan B, although we'd like to be as an unofficial podcast. We do have, you know, periodic costs for the website, the URL, MP3 hosting, all that techno babble stuff you know would you consider supporting our fan podcast there's a couple of ways you can do it we touched on earlier you can do all of your amazon shopping through our affiliate link at resurrectionrevealed.com slash amazon and you know the quote-unquote holidays are coming and that'd be a great link to bookmark and share with your friends as well you could even donate directly to the show investing in making resurrection revealed even better going forward you could donate once at any amount you like or even sign up for an ongoing monthly donation amount. Anything you could do will help keep the podcast rolling right along for this season and many more to come. And we're really working to find out a way to get a portion of the proceeds to actually help a local charity in the Atlanta area where Resurrection is being filmed. Details are still being worked out for that. So stay tuned to the podcast as we try to expand that partnership and get a specific charity in mind that we can share with all of you. Absolutely. And even though the podcast has ended for this week, the conversation has not. You can keep connected with us at Resurrection Pod on Twitter and follow us there as well as uh, myself. I'm at Wayne Henderson and you are at Troy Heinritz. That's Heinz Ketchup, Ritz Crackers, Nosy in the Middle. And now that I'm hungry, it reminds me I also love Facebook. So go to resurrectionrevealed.com slash Facebook. It'll take you right over and you can like our page over there and we will be posting all sorts of information between now and the next episode of Resurrection Revealed. But most importantly, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe right to the feed. You can do that in a few ways. You could go over to resurrectionrevealed.com and all of the subscribe links are right there at the top of the page. Or if you're an iTunes person, you could just go ahead and use your new iOS 8 podcast app permanently affixed on your iOS device. And you could get there by resurrectionrevealed.com slash iTunes. Or if you prefer Stitcher Radio, you could go to resurrectionrevealed.com slash Stitcher in order to subscribe there as well. Podcast episodes are great, and you want to make sure that you get every single one of them so you don't miss any of the great fan theories. 
as we have returned for the start of season two. It's been great tonight. Glad to be back and chatting with all of you. So from all of us here at Noodle Mix Network, I am at Troy Heinrichs. And I'm at Wayne Henderson. We'll see you next time on Resurrection Revealed. Resurrection Revealed is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx especially the Once podcast. If you're already watching Resurrection, you should be watching Once Upon a Time right before it at 8 Eastern and Pacific, 7 Central, and then listen to Once, the unofficial podcast and blog and forum with theories and talk about ABC's Once Upon a Time. All this and a bunch more of great content is waiting for you all over at noodle.mx.